just for the record, I love Jacob. Mary Jane. Stop singing about marijuana. Let's go. Sure. Okay. You break my head. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. I just got the stare down from the guy who usually does that. So, Well, I'll say, well, hey, everybody, welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. Every week, Pastor Matt brings real answers to tough questions from the Bible, okay. and you guys, our wonderful listeners, can decide who did it better. Yeah, literally, you're back for five seconds, and it's a total train wreck. <laughs> yeah, it's a power struggle. It's a yeah, train Stephanie wreck. Stephanie has no idea who she is, why yeah. she's here. Uh, well, cool. hey, friends, I'm Justin Party. The prodigal son has returned. Yes. That's right. I uh, would like uh, to be your, what's, what's the actual prodigal son say to his father? May I be a servant in your household? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, it starts with, I have sinned against God and you. So yeah, why don't you start, start by that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll consider going that far. At least I'll ask for a place on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Stephanie, yes. how's it going? It's going great. You doing great? I am doing great. Thank mm-hmm. you. And so. Pastor Matt, you have been bringing some real wisdom. Thank oh, you. Yeah. This Beyond Happy series is pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of wish it was a little bit longer. So I'm a little bummed there because there's a couple more things in chapters three and four that I want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so we might extend it one week. I'm going to talk to Stephanie, see if we oh, can yeah. figure that see out. See what we can make you happen. Yeah. Because there's stuff here first. Yeah, yeah, it's granted. Great stuff about finances. Great stuff about this. This week's all about uh, your past mm-hmm. and, how to, and how to get through that and how your past really prevents you from happiness in your present. So, oh, um, yeah. So we're going to look at the verse. One thing I do forgetting that, which is past and praise, pressing onward towards the goal mm. that is in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. So yeah. we're going to be looking at that. So well, I'm you guys heard it here first. Make sure to start sending in those questions now. I'm sure you have lots. Um, so. Questions about how to move forward from your past. I yeah. have some from just my reading and personal time this morning. So yeah, there we past. Go. So here's the thing. Past hurts prevent future happiness. That's the Wow. That's what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you're a I'm professional gonna, communicator. Yeah. You, guys, you guys don't know how to do has that. He, has he been tweeting his own bell? Um, yeah. Only, yes, only well, I have to tweet myself because Stephanie doesn't tweet. <laughs> well, sometimes I'm just so amazed by the wisdom that you were sharing with us that right. I just, I get lost in it. Yeah. You know? Okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump on into the show. Before we get started, we have a little bit of business to cover. Uh, we are in our last few weeks for you to submit those best of topics. So as you've been listening, we have a lot of new listeners now. So as you've been maybe going back through the archives, if you've heard us talk about things here on the show and you want other people to hear it, we're going to put together some best of episodes. So send those in to us the same way you would send in a question at debrief.show or send those over on Facebook. I'm just going to speak on behalf of Pastor Matt. I would say if you have sent your own question into the show and it was answered by Pastor Matt and you have mm-hmm. not nominated that question for best of, yeah. that hurts our feelings. Mm. It does. Yeah, or I, maybe you need to resubmit the question. Maybe we or maybe Pastor Matt just punched you in the face spiritually. Yeah, and you're still recovering, with which love. we get it. With, with love. love. Yeah, yeah, always with love. Yeah, punch and hug. Yeah. Punch and hug. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. That's true. So we'll get those questions in. We sure do. And then we've got some great off-topic questions coming at the end of this episode, so make sure to stay with us. We're going to be talking about how to stop being an a-hole. Mm-hmm. Um, our Seventh-day Adventist Christian, and we've got some more questions that have come in about marijuana. So we'll yes. get to those at the end of the show, so mm-hmm. make sure to stay Thank with us. Thank you, Justin, for those questions on marijuana. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. They came in from Anonymous. Yes. Speaking of sabbatical, welcome back. <laughs> Anonymous PRD at sandalschurch.com sent in um, Well, I like questions. I like going to church on Saturday, guys. Yeah. What can I say? What can I say? Uh, well, this is some follow-up questions from stuff that you have been talking uh, talking about lately. This one's from Sunsea. Is that how we're going to say? I think so. It's a beautiful name if I'm pronouncing it, it looks properly. beautiful, yeah. yeah exactly. Sunsea. Pastor Matt, you said a few episodes ago that we as parents not only need to address our children's behavior, but also their hearts. I have a stubborn and sometimes mean child. How do I know when I should address her heart rather than her behavior? What is the best way to go about dealing with an issue of a child's heart? Yeah, so there's a great uh, book written by James Dobson. It's an oldie, but a goodie, and it is called uh, Dealing with Difficult Children or Dealing with a Strong-Willed yeah, Child. Yeah, child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, man, that's like that's like the Bible 
for uh, Christian parents and just how to speak into it. So first I would say be encouraged is that difficult children are often gonna make the greatest change in our world, change for good or change for mm-hmm. uh, evil. So you wanna steward that heart, you wanna steward that person. Um, you know, So compliant children oftentimes don't, are not world changers. So because they, they comply, they fit in, they, you know, mm-hmm. they just work through that. And so God has given you a very, very incredibly gifted young person. And so you need to speak into that. So that's how I would start is clearly they're very, very gifted. They're strong-willed, they're opinionated. Those are good things when channeled in the right direction. So what I would do is you need to decide as a family on your form of discipline, You know whether it's timeouts, spankings, whatever. I encourage you never to discipline when angry. If you're going to be physical, that needs to be something that's done in love mm-hmm. after you've cooled off. But immediately afterward, after the discipline is over, you need to communicate to your child about God's will for them. And God's will is that he changes their heart and speak to the heart. So instead of just dealing with the behavior, what they did, talk about why they felt like it was okay to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and, and just say, you know, and, and, and allow them to be honest because some children, right, are not sorry. Mm-hmm. And so just say, that makes me feel sad for you. Mm-hmm. So deal with their heart with yours. That makes me feel sad that you feel like something that is wrong is right. That makes me feel very sad. It also brings sadness to God's heart. Now, both God and I love you, and we want your heart to change. But right now, uh, your heart is hardened. Um, That's biblical language. That's how God our Father speaks to us. Uh, Your heart is like a stone, and we want it to be soft, and we want it to be loving. And so what I would say is, the kid might know what that means. So when your child is tender, loving, kind, Mm -hmm. whatever, identify the heart issue in that. Wow, I'm really glad that you did that. That makes me feel like... God's really, really speaking to your heart. Mm -hmm. And so don't just reward good behavior, but reward the good attitude that caused the good behavior. So it has to go on both ends. Deal with the negativity of the heart for negative behavior and reinforce the positive nature of the heart for good behavior. So it has to go both ways. You can't just deal with one side of the kid, but just really encourage them. And I always say this again, this is not who God designed you to be. This is not who God made you to be. So Absolutely. God didn't make didn't make you to be bad. God made you to be good. And so God wants to redeem you. God wants to uh, deal with the sin in your life. And God wants to create something beautiful in you. And so just know that strong-willed children are going to be a challenge. And understand your job is to steward that. Um, the ch- your child is not your own. It's mm-hmm. God's. Um, Uh, And so you need to steward that strong-willed child because ultimately, right, that's going to be a warrior for Jesus Mm -hmm. if we can steward it correctly. Um, Or if it goes the other way, it becomes an enemy of the cross, which breaks God's heart and ultimately will break your heart as a parent. So really, really speak into the heart and talk about why um, it's not okay that they feel that way And, and ask them, why do you feel that it's okay to feel that way. And so usually, right, children are operating from a, a false sense of feeling. Mm-hmm. And usually it's a twisted form of fairness and that's what kids are dealing with. And so here's the here's why fairness is so dangerous to a child because fairness is interpreted from their emotions mm-hmm. and their emotions are not trustworthy. So they naturally feel that things are unfair. And sometimes things are unfair for a reason. For example, if you're 12 and your sibling is eight, there doesn't need to be equal proportions of food because one child is 20 or 30 pounds heavier and larger and older and demands a larger portion of food. That may not feel fair, but it is (laughs) fair. And so you have to speak to the kid in that specific situation. Uh, Not all kids are talented the same way. 
They have different giftednesses and they need to be treated as individuals. And so you need to discipline children differently. Um, you know, even between the sexes, I think you need to, uh, you should not raise a boy and a girl the same way. Mm-hmm. You should love them the same, but you should treat them differently just as the scriptures treat gender differently because boys tend to be naturally one way and girls tend to be naturally another way. And that's okay. It's absolutely okay to to speak into that. And so um, I know that my wife loves when I lead as a man, when I'm strong as a man, those things are actually attractive to her. It's not demeaning to her. She appreciates when I'm strong. Now, she wants to trust me in that, but she appreciates it. I also appreciate when my wife is tender and loving and compassionate and kind. I appreciate those things in her that are oftentimes, you know, women are just, you know, a little better at than mm-hmm. guys. I appreciate her sensitivity and her heart for the feelings of others when maybe I don't always get that. So, so anyways, parents, you know, ask as many questions as you want about the heart. You know, if I didn't completely nail it, let's keep dealing with this because again, steward your kid's heart, not just their behavior. Because ultimately kids might change their behavior for you. But if you haven't addressed the heart, the second they get out of your control, mm-hmm. they're going to do what they want to do because mm-hmm. there's no longer a physical consequence for the behavior. But if you've dealt with the heart, you don't need laws. Mm-hmm. And that's what the gospel is all about, right? We don't live under the law. We live under grace because God has changed our heart. If he hasn't changed our heart, Absolutely. man, you need a lot of laws. Like totally. look at America, right? They're constantly passing more laws because hearts are not changed. So mm-hmm. there you go. I just want to say for parents who might be listening in and thinking, oh, that's great. Like for you, Pastor Matt, like I literally had that conversation last night in the parking lot of a restaurant with my three-year-old daughter. And we talked about her hard heart. And I told her, I am praying that God gives you a new heart. Um, so all this stuff is entirely possible. It's um, it's practical. There's a great book I really enjoy called Give Them Grace, and we can put that in the show mm-hmm. notes as well. It's a really great book that helps guide you through some conversations. If you're, like they actually in the chapters will say, here's, here's some scenarios and here's ways to have conversations with your kids about these things. I've really appreciated that particular book and it's helped me. Yeah, and I would also say this, get in a small group with other parents who are real. Because they're all struggling too. (laughs) Don't get in a small group with non-real people. Oh, my child never does that. You know, I mean, you know, parents that are constantly talking about how their kids are perfect, flee, flee from them (laughs) because they're not honest. And uh, and there are you know there are kids that are more well behaved than others, but no kid is perfect. And so you you need to not feel discouraged. And I think that we can talk and we can learn um, from that. And like Justin just said, there are times when you don't have the time to deal with the heart in the moment. Mm-hmm. So like if you're in the parking lot, if you're in the store, um, if you're at a restaurant, if you're at a restaurant, parents, I don't want you dealing with your kid's heart while I'm trying to enjoy a meal with my kid. Deal with the behavior, right? stop it so that you don't ruin everybody else's time because the world does not revolve around your child. And that is truth. Yep. And then when you get home, deal with the heart. Mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes you can be very, very swift and say, hey, I don't have time to deal with this right now um, because you don't and you have to have a life. And so part of the reason we get frustrated is when our kids are constantly manipulating our schedule. And so they need to get on our schedule. Um, and so that's just as quickly as you can do that. Um, that's really important. So mm-hmm. the, her very last sentence that she said, what is the best way to go about dealing with an issue with a child's heart? I just want to append on there, man. I feel one of the things I've been a lot more intentional about the last couple of weeks is spending more time in prayer for my own mm-hmm. children. And I just have been really convicted that that's not something I do often enough. I read John six sixty three, which says, that, uh, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all. And mm-hmm. Jesus is basically saying, hey, the Holy Spirit does these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just been really realizing as much as I might 
feel like I'm going to be intentional about parenting or whatever, man, I desperately need God to come in and to change my kids' lives. Well, um, the same way we need God to change our lives on yeah. Sundays. Totally. I mean, right, your child needs the same thing. And mm-hmm. so, uh, again, that's why church attendance is so important for children. Yeah. It breaks my heart. You know, the average Sandalite comes to church one time a month. Mm-hmm. We cannot help your children once a month. We can barely help them, you know, four times a month plus, you know, uh, Real Adventure on Wednesday nights when the world gets them, you know, for hours on hours. And so make church a habit. Uh, Habits break hearts in Mm -hmm. a good way. Good habits break hearts in a good way. And so when you develop bad habits for your kids, and a lot of parents, right, part of the reason your kids are the way they are is because as a parent, you haven't developed good habits. Habits, you know. My wife always asks me. It's it's our ongoing joke. What are you doing today? And I always say the same thing I do every Monday or every Tuesday or every Wednesday. You know, um, habits help heal the heart and it helps control. So if I do something good, why wouldn't I do it on a regular basis? I read the Bible every day. I work out or exercise every day. I I do the things that I need to do every day. Um, you know, I try to have dinner with my family every day. I try to do, I mean, I try to do those things because they're good things. I try to have a date with my wife once a week, every week. We try to do those things. Those are good habits and we need to teach our children good habits because by definition, when you don't teach uh, children good habits, they develop bad habits, right? That's what's wrong. A child won't naturally gravitate to vegetables. They will gravitate to candy. It's why obesity is an enormous problem in America amongst kids today because parents aren't helping their kids develop good habits. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, broccoli doesn't taste like a baby Ruth. I get it. <laughs> but, you know, we don't we don't want you to look like babe Ruth. We want you to look more like some kind of athlete, you know. So, so let's let's deal with that issue. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. So this next question comes in from Jesus. He says, I struggle with fear about the future, my finances, my career, marriage, and aspects of my faith where I see personal shortcomings. I can become overwhelmed or even overcome by high levels of anxiety, worry, or fear. This affects my move and it can drive me to burnout or even depression if I don't snap out of it. I really struggle to give these things to Jesus and find eternal joy or peace. Can you walk me through a process that I or others can do in order to give Jesus our burdens in exchange for what you have been calling eternal happiness? Yeah, absolutely. So, Hmm. um, yeah, some of us are just bent personality-wise towards more anxiety. Hopefully, we're going to get to the specific passage on anxiety uh, either next, not next week, but the weekend after that or the weekend after that where Paul says, do not be anxious in anything, but in all things by prayer and supplication, bring Mm -hmm. your concerns to the Lord. So we're going to deal with that specifically. Philippians is a great, great book uh, in order to deal with anxiety. Now, I will say this, Jesus, Paul admits that he has anxiety. So if you go to the previous chapter, he says, God spared me endless anxiety by healing. I think it's Epaphroditus. I can't remember which one it is or or, or Timothy. One of them, I don't have it right in front of me, uh, is sick, but God heals them. And so God spares him a great deal of anxiety by healing him. And so now he's going to send him to you. So even Paul was anxious about things. I mean, to be anxious is to be human, but to pray about your anxiety is to be Christian. And so that's the difference is, so all human beings are subject to anxiety, subject to worry. Jesus says, what good does worry do? Mm. So worry kills you twice, right? It ruins your day. And then whatever, you know, if, if whatever you are worried about happens, happens, then you die. So yeah. you die twice. And so there's no sense in worrying. There's no sense in, in being afraid about things because it's not beneficial. It's an, anxiety doesn't help anyone and it doesn't help you. The opposite is, okay, anxiety is an invitation to trust God. So 
you know, Jesus, it sounds like, um, you know, you've been given a very special name. You need to trust the person you are named after, which is Jesus. And you need to just constantly bring these things to him. So walk me through a couple more of his points. So he has a lot of anxiety about, it was like future finances. The future, his finances, his career, his marriage. And I think this is probably a big one. Aspects of his faith where he feels like he sees personal shortcomings. Yes. Okay. So we, we've got uh, growth workshops coming up totally. uh, in August. Uh, you're going to hear a lot about that in our back to school series. So be in prayer for us. Uh, uh, Pastor Andrew, the Woodcrest Campus pastor and I are going to be meeting together this week to develop and hash out that um, series. But we all, we, all, we all need school because we all need to learn. And mm-hmm. so the growth series is about how to grow. And um, one of the things we're going to talk about specifically is how perfection is unreal. So you're going to hear a lot about that this week in the message. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how I want to phrase it, but what I think I want to say is that the difference between... Um, uh, fantasy and reality is oftentimes misery, or we could put in this word, anxiety. Mm. So fantasy is this idea of perfection, like the th- the way things should be. Mm-hmm. And so here's the problem is uh, in terms of how that really, um, oh gosh, I, I can't use that word. I want to use, I can't use the word I want to use. It's not politically <laughs> correct. Um, so, so the problem with fantasy is it warps. There's the word that I can use that's not going to give me any emails. It warps our view of reality. And so we're never satisfied with what occurs. So if I live in fantasy about sex, right? Mm-hmm. So I look at porn, yeah. I am watching movies, or I'm a woman and I'm reading all these magazines about you know, what sex is supposed to be or whatever, or a date night or finances or my vacations or whatever, no matter what... Um, I actually do or experience, it's never going to uh, own up to fantasy. And then let's say it does. You're not going to duplicate that every time, right? Um, You know, every uh, sexual experience, even in the context of marriage, is not going to be fantastic, right? They're not all, you know, fireworks. So how, how do I embrace life as it is rather than the way I want it to be? That's the prayer of serenity. I want to encourage you guys, go look at Reinald Niebuhr's prayer and look at it, right? So most people know the beginning, um, you know, God grant me the ability to change the things I can and to not not worry about the things I can't and, and give me the wisdom to know the difference, right? That's my summary. But the beginning of that is, is how do I have peace? God, help me to know the difference between fantasy and reality. That's what the prayer is about. Help me to embrace life the way he did, which who is he? Jesus. And let me find reasonable happiness in this world and supreme happiness in the next. And so we need to trust that. And so look, nobody knows the future, man. Nobody knows what's gonna happen. I mean, tomorrow we could wake up and we're at war with North Korea, China gets involved, Russia's involved, it's World War III and all of our lives are changed forever. We have no idea right. what that's like. So mm-hmm. why why would you worry about that? I mean, try, trying to predict the future, it's like, I always drive by that uh, psychic place at the plaza and it mm-hmm. says psychics you know, walk-ins welcome. And I think, well, if you were a psychic, you know, why do you have hours at all? You should know when I'm coming, right? You should know when I'm going to show up because it's it's not real. So it's ridiculous. So you, you got to let that go. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows the future. So the Bible says rejoice in the Lord because he made today. So I'm going to talk about, Jesus said, why worry about tomorrow? Today has enough stress in its own. So Jesus put into practice the teachings of Jesus. Today has enough stress mm-hmm for itself. And so um, we just have to trust God. And so anxiety is always an invitation to prayer. And that's why I want to get into that in two weeks. And so my daughter just got back from Vietnam. She was gone three weeks. Every time I felt anxious about, is she safe? So we weren't allowed to contact her. Mm-hmm. We were not able to have any contact with my, my daughter for three weeks in a foreign country with yeah. all these things that are going on around the world. 
every time I felt anxiety, uh, if I was alone, I prayed alone. If I was with my wife, I asked my wife to pray. When I was with my 15 or 14 year old son, mm-hmm. I, while driving, I would say, can you, can you pray for your sister right now for her safety? And I just did that. I went to the Lord over and over and over again. And you say, well, you should just trust God. Yeah, but I'm human. Mm-hmm. So as a human, when I'm not trusting God, I need to go to God in prayer and say, God, help me out here. So future finances, your marriage, those are all very, very fragile things, which is why we should continually give them to God. Anxiety is an invitation for Jesus to take the reins in your life. Mm-hmm. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. Right? That When I'm anxious, okay, Lord, I can't handle this. I, I, I don't know what to do. God's gonna take care of me and I'm gonna bring these worries to God mm-hmm. and invite others to pray with you. Invite mm-hmm. your family, invite your friends to pray with you. I think that's a great thing. So Jesus, great question. I'll be praying for you, buddy. I'll pray for you today when I have some time mm-hmm. um, just to get alone and go before God. And um, you know, I, I believe prayer changes things. Worry doesn't change anything except mm-hmm. you. It makes you worse. <laughs> that's true. So, right? I mean, prayer can't hurt and worry <laughs> makes you worse. So why not pray? Yeah. And I know, like, I uh, struggle with a lot of anxiety, uh, probably about this time last year and over the last summer. And one of the things I would pray every day, because sometimes I know when you're in the middle of that, like, trying to figure out what am I going to pray, I would just ask God, like, make, God, will you just make today what you want it to be? Mm-hmm. And just like a really simple little thing like that reminded me, like, okay, God is in control. Today's going to, I just need to worry about today and I'm going to let God make today what it needs to be. So even when you're in the midst of that and even don't know what to pray, that could even be a really simple prayer. Like, God, will you just make today what you right. want it to be? Will right. you make my marriage what you want it to be? Mm-hmm. Will you make my job what you want it to be? Um, maybe a helpful way to at least start that process of maybe praying is new for you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, great. Okay, here's a question from Jennifer. You stated a few weeks ago that suffering is a part of a bigger purpose for God. And the next week you also said that we matter to God. I have suffered more than I feel I could bear. And I've recently been diagnosed with PTSD from a long history of sexual and physical abuse. Mm-hmm. How do I seek joy from God when I struggle with loving myself? Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm grateful that you are, are seeking uh, psychological help. I would encourage you to do that. What I'm talking about uh, is most of us have unrealistic expectations of never having difficulty. That's where most of our unhappiness comes from. Mm-hmm. Some of us have gone through horrendous things, okay? Um, some of us have gone through things that will not be healed in this lifetime. I don't know that you will be healed from your suffering in this lifetime. However, I will say this, and here's where I want to give you some hope. I believe the amount of suffering that we engage in and we experience in this life will be multiplied in the next life with joy. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the ways that God is going to make up for, let's just be honest, the inequality of suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, I have have a friend, uh, a relative who lives in Hawaii, and he thinks the world is great. I'm like, you live in Kauai. <laughs> he has no idea. Like his vacations are the Maldives Islands. And, you know, he goes on surf locations. You know, he doesn't go to Iraq. He's not in Africa. He yeah. has not seen suffering. And so to him, the world is great. People are good. Life is good. And, and, and he's just had an extraordinarily blessed life. It doesn't mean that he's suffering. Fr- he's free from suffering. It just means the amount of suffering that he's engaging in is, um, you know, just just not what it is. Some of us just have to go through difficult stuff. Like I watched the NBA finals game last night and um, I don't know how it happened, but my dad started researching the coach for the Warriors. And if you research his story, it's horrible. Hmm. His dad was a professor of Islamic studies in the eighties in the Middle East. Hmm. What do you think happened to his dad? Oh. He was killed by radical uh, uh, Muslims. And so his dad was shot in the back of the head as a professor in Beirut. Hmm. 
Wow. So that's Steve Kerr's, Steve Kerr's story. He also has this leaking that's occurring in his spine, um, and it's extraordinarily painful. So he's losing brain fluid from his brain, which causes enormous headaches. So he wasn't allowed to coach this season. Um, you know, and I'm no Warriors fan, but I, I'm definitely a Steve Kerr fan. And here he is weeping that they won the championship. Mm. Um, I think suffering makes joy greater. Mm. It just does. Mm -hmm. And so um, you've been clearly... Um, uh, you know, molested and wounded and hurt, I'm assuming by men, maybe not, maybe it was women. So what I would encourage you is when, you know, I had to say this too, I was in small group um, for three years with a, with a woman that was sexually abused by her father. Um, I would just say over and over again, I'm a safe man. I'm a safe man. Take joy in the fact that you know a man who is safe. I'll never forget, uh, she brought her son to small group and you know how she introduced me to her son? This is Pastor Matt. He is safe mm. because she lives in a world where you don't trust. You, yeah. you, you know, she lives in a world where men are dangerous. And, and here's the thing, ladies, 98% of men would be horrified at what these evil men are doing and would want to destroy them. Mm -hmm. So that's the reality. The vast, vast majority of men are safe, are good, do want to protect you. Some of you, unfortunately, seem to encounter you know, this small percentage of evil men. And that's what I talked about in the sermon this week. Some men are evil. Watch out for those dogs. So Paul says, mm -hmm. he doesn't even call them people. Yeah. He calls them dogs, mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, and some of you are insulted. Oh God, whatever. Paul's not, you know, Paul's not saying hate Fido. He's just saying, look, these people are not worthy of you and of the gospel and you need to get them out of your life. Some people are absolutely evil and they're not going to change. And so we need to deal with that. So, so I would say this is that what you need to try to do is look through the prayer of serenity. How do you find reasonable happiness in this life based upon what you've gone through? Okay. So let's say, um, God forbid I lose a child. I'm never going to be happy in the way that I was yeah, no. before they died. It's never going to happen. So misery is me trying to be as happy as I was before I lost my kid. Mm -hmm. I think what I need to do is, is what does reasonable happiness look like having lost a child, having lost a loved one? And that's what I need to strive for, understanding that I have suffered great and real loss. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you're in an accident and, and you're paralyzed, we have some of those guys I see at our church, see, they seem to all be men, mm -hmm. young men who have had some kind of accident and they're in wheelchairs. You know, they're never going to be able to run or uh, do the things that they could do before. And so misery is going to be longing for what life was. Mm -hmm. The question is, is how do they find joy in what life is? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what they need to strive for. Okay, life's different. I, I, you know, and so, gosh, I'm getting into my sermon this next week, you know, because um, that's, that's a huge point. But um, what life was can make us miserable. It's just like an old person mourning the loss of their youth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And every single human being has gone through that. Yep, you're getting old. Yep, things are harder. Yep, things are more difficult. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. That's life. So um, my, my heart goes to you. I, I'll pray for you. But ask this, what does reasonable happiness look like? Um, you know, that may mean maybe you're not in a relationship with a man, and that's okay. You don't have to be married mm -hmm. to be reasonably happy. Um, matter of fact, what might cause misery is if you're not in a position to trust a man, to uh, have sex with a man, right? And so then you marry this guy who marries you and, and sex is not okay mm -hmm. because it's been used as a tool 
of evil. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how do you then use that as something for good? And some people can push through that and, and they can deal with that. Um, but you know, uh, my wife was sexually molested. And so that's something that we had to deal with when we got married. Things that were meant to be pleasurable were used as a source of pain in her life. Mm-hmm. And so as her husband, I have to be loving and kind and gentle, right? Love does not demand its own way. It's patient, it's kind, it rejoices when the truth wins out. That's what love is. And so I need to go at her pace because of the heartache she experienced and what she endured. And um, and I didn't understand that as a young man because I was selfish. Mm. And so I, I've had to realize that later on. Um, you know, someone, a man did great harm to my wife, great harm. And, uh, you know, he's an evil guy. Mm. He is an evil guy. Mm-hmm. And um, so we got to find reasonable happiness in this life and we got to work towards that. And I think it's, I think it's attainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking a lot about community kind of in there and how to process that. She actually tagged on a question here that I think would be really helpful to cover. She says, is there a difference between being real and having full disclosure? Absolutely. Oh, so man, great question. Full disclosure is for a pastor, for a counselor. Mm-hmm. Be very careful, even in community group. Some things some things are just not, not ready to be shared. It shouldn't be shared. Uh, some of the sins we've committed, you know, we need to confess to a pastor, a church leader, um, a Christian counselor. And we need to talk to those. Um, you know, for example, if you have um, done something terrible, like you molested somebody, mm-hmm. you should not share that in small group because what if there's somebody in the group who's been molested? Mm-hmm. So you, you need to learn appropriate disclosure. So you don't have to be real about everything. You need to learn appropriate ways of discussing what happened. And so, um, you know, I just think that that's, that's, that's important because we can wound others who are not trained to deal with our woundedness. So we have to make sure that I'm talking to someone who can handle this and is trained in this. If it's something that's really dark, I think the vast majority of us can share everything that's happened because we've, we've had blessed lives. Mm-hmm. There are some of us who've been extraordinarily wounded and we need to share um, these things uh, appropriately. I wanna do a series next year I haven't talked to you guys about. I wanna call it Dark Thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's a two or three week series but how to deal with- I'm sure it'll turn into four or five. Yeah, how to deal with the evil we feel, mm. you know? Um, and, um, you know, how, how, how do we do that? And one of the things I wanna talk about is learning to disclose it, mm-hmm. but appropriately. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, you need to know where is just as important as sharing. So, mm-hmm. you know, how you share it is just as important as sharing. So great question. Uh, yes, there's a difference. Come into Soul Care at Sandals, you know, it's free. Talk mm-hmm. with someone who's trained, who can walk alongside you and can help care for your soul. That's why we call it soul care. And maybe you need counseling mm-hmm. um, and, and that's okay. So come alongside and, and do that. And that's really, really important. We have amazingly gifted people who literally dedicate their free time mm-hmm. um, to coming alongside people and ministering to them in the midst of their heartache and hurt. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we'll make sure to include a link to how to connect with our soul care team here at Sandals Church. And that team has also got a great list of counseling references. If you have no, like if you think you may want to get into counseling or something like that and have no idea how to do that, they can get you connected with some really great folks here in our community. Or you can just come up after service too. That's an easy way as well mm-hmm. uh, for prayer. And we'll get started. Okay, let's debrief your sermon from this last weekend. Uh, this first question comes in from Alejandra. First of all, thank you so much for having these episodes every week. It has really opened the doors to some tough conversations with my husband. Uh, during this weekend's message, you mentioned that you heard the voice of God. It sent chills through my body. I feel that God has spoken to me, but I'm not 100% certain. My question is, how do we know for sure it is God speaking and not just our subconscious? Right. So Alejandro, thank you for the question. So, I mean, I can't answer that question unless you tell me what 
<laughs> what you're hearing. Okay, right. And so, so there's a couple things I need to know. I need to know you. Mm-hmm. I need to know the context of what was shared and why, why, and we need to discern why uh, we believe it was shared. So the Bible says, test the spirit. So I, I hear people all the time, including pastors, God said, God said, God said. And literally there's one particular pastor in my life. Every time he says, God said, I hear, nope, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. I mean, like every time this guy says, God said, God speaks to me and goes, that's not me. That's not me. And it's just crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. h- how are you wrong every time? I'm just like, whoa. And uh, this guy's oblivious. It never works out. It never goes right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, and, and he, he never stops. He just keeps saying, God said, God said, God said. And it's just tragic. So, um, you know, so how do I discern? Uh, what other voice? I mean, so um, it, d- who else would have spoken? So, so my subconscious can't see the car coming. Mm-hmm. My subconscious so is not aware. For context, aware. the story was uh, yeah. this weekend you shared. I had headphones in. Yeah. I couldn't hear. I was getting ready to cross the street. The street said it's appropriate to cross. So for those of you who don't know, the crosswalk is delayed. It doesn't say walk as soon as the light turns red. I'm not exactly sure how many seconds take place, but they know people are idiots and try to run <laughs> yeah. red lights. So there, there's a delayed reaction between start walking and the red light. So, you know, um, I, I, I started walking and I'm telling you, I took a step and I heard God say, I mean, forceful, powerful. And here's what I'd say. When God speaks, it is soul shattering. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? So, I mean, because all of us, when we hear someone says, stop, there's something in us that resists that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. Instantaneously obeyed. Instantaneous. Like, I almost came to a halt as the word was spoken. How does that work? Mm-hmm. Right? Um you know, because there's something deeper in us as human beings than our mind. It's called our soul. And God spoke from the depths of my soul and my body obeyed. Stop. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, like a nightmare, I can see that woman driving in her white SUV, staring at her phone and um, flew through that intersection. Mm. So uh, very, very scary. And it was, like I said, it was a large SUV. And I might not have been killed, but I would have been severely Right. Wounded. I yeah. mean, broken neck, back, arm, ribs, concussions, maybe never the same mentally. Um, and God knows I can't lose any more <laughs> brain cells. So, so yeah. So, hey, so, speak, so speaking I, of headphones, by the way, take yours off and put them back on. You readjusted your headphones. Yeah, you got a little, and now you got a little, you got a little Johnny Bravo pompadour. Oh. There you go. Mm. Much better. What if I like Johnny Bravo? Yeah, well, it was distracting me. Sorry. Sorry that my hair distracts <laughs> you. It's my mental weakness. Yeah. <laughs> okay, keep going. Um, so she, her question was, yeah, like she feels like she's heard God speak to her. How does she know that it's God and not her subconscious? Okay. So context. Mm-hmm. So relationships next scripture. So is it in line with what God's word has said? So, and that's why you got to know your Bibles. Cause I hear people all the time say, oh yeah, God's told me this and, or God's told me that. And, um, you know, someone told me the other day that, you know, I was talking, I can't remember what the conversation was, but it was about mother earth. And they said, yeah, I think that's God. And I was like, that's not God. Mm-hmm. Mother earth is not God. Um, you know, uh, the earth sustains our life because God has allowed the earth to sustain our life. But God is the author of life. Um, he is our father, our mother, whatever you want. I mean, he is the source. We come from him, not from the earth. We live on the earth. We do not come from the earth. We come from God. And there's part of us, right? From from ashes to ashes, dust to dust. There's part of us that comes, you know, from the earth. The Bible says that God created Adam out of clay. So there's a portion of us that is tied to the earth. We, we are a part of it and we do die and we do, right, go into the ground and that produces new life. So there, there, some of that is true, but God wants to be known by his name. Mm-hmm. So 
so, so I would say scripture and scripture alone uh, is the primary way that we discern God's will. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is this in alignment with scripture? Um, is this consistent with scripture? Is this consistent with the Holy Spirit? Like, is the, how has the Holy Spirit spoken in the past? So that's the best way to determine how the Holy Spirit is going to speak in mm-hmm. the future. Um, the Holy Spirit, the God will never disagree with himself. He's not going to do that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I remember uh, I had a, a young homosexual woman in our church um, telling me that God told her that gay marriage was okay mm-hmm. and that her job was to tell me that. And I said, well, the God who wrote the Bible disagrees with the God who spoke to you. And then I just asked her, I said, maybe you're not hearing from the God of the Bible. You may be hearing from a higher power, but it is not the God of scripture because he's not going to disagree with himself. And um, she did not like that. She mm-hmm. got very upset. So, but you know, um, you know, you, you got, you got to be very, very careful. Um, you know, God is never going to ask you to do something bad to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, there's a guy in our church with a mental illness and he says, I hear God talk all the time. And I say, what does he say? He says, sometimes he says, do bad things. And sometimes he says, do good things. I said, if it's bad things, it's not God. Mm-hmm. God's not going to ask you to do a bad thing because he cannot ask you to do a bad thing. So you need to learn to trust that. That's a false spirit. That's a mm-hmm. demonic spirit. Um, you know, and so we just have to be careful. So also go against, you know, is it something you want to do? But you mm-hmm. have to be real with yourself. Is this something I want? And so I'm going to tag God along in this. Um, and I see people do this all the time. They really want to surf. They really want to be live the beach lifestyle. So God's called them to minister to surfers mm-hmm. at the beach. Okay. Well, that, that, that's, that's really, really difficult. Whereas let's say you love the ocean, you love surfing and God's called you to minister in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be more um, probably prompted to agree that, yeah, that's God because that's going against what you want. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yeah, and check that out with other people. I mean, I feel like there's one time in my life where I had, right before I got married, you know, felt like I heard God say something to me and I didn't just say, cool. I'm going with it. I checked with you. I checked with Pastor Andrew, uh, other pastors and leaders at the time, and you guys. You've had some crazy ideas me. in your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I got to verify. Got to verify about these ones. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. Otherwise, you would not even live in California. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. So, Pastor Matt, in your message this weekend, you talked about how a lot of us don't know how to be happy because we don't have a definition for happiness. What are some good ways to go about creating or maybe discovering a healthy, godly de- definition of happiness? Yeah, well, I, I walk through those things. You know, is it wise? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to work for it? And am I, am I willing to wait for it? So work, uh, or excuse me, wisdom, work, and patience. And so those are the things because, you know, we live in a microwave culture where we think we should be instantaneously happy all the time. And so we really, really need to work through what do I believe will make me happy? And so... Um, you need, you need to come up with a working definition of what happiness is. And then the next step is what, what do you believe will accomplish that? Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, um, I think a lot of us, our definition of happiness is fun. I want to have fun. Um, but I've been having fun before and I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. So it is possible to be experiencing fun and not be happy uh, because I believe true happiness comes from a sense of meaning and purpose. And that's what God gives us. And so... Um, you know, you need to work through what you think happiness is. And if it doesn't include meaning, it's probably not any kind of good form of happiness. You know, like a serial killer might get joy from killing a person. Right. I don't know that that's happiness, right? That's twistedness. That's that's deep, deep brokenness. Um, for example, it's why I was so against, what was that book or the movie that came out? Shades oh, of Gray. Shades of- Fifty mm-hmm. Shades of Gray. You know, um, 
if my wife thought that me beating her or tying her up or whipping her brought her pleasure, I would say, we're not going to have sex. We're going to a counselor Mm -hmm. because even if you think that brings you joy, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like if you get pleasure from burning yourself, let's go get help. You know, if cutting yourself or wounding yourself brings a sense of pleasure or joy, that's twisted. So you, you have to be careful. You can't just assume that all things that are pleasurable are, are, are joy and are good. And so that's, so, so then the next thing, right? Meaning is always moral. It's gotta be good. Mm-hmm. Whatever is honorable, right, and true. Think about these things, focus on these things because those things will make you happy. The problem is a lot of us, the things we think will make us happy, some guy, some person, some car, some relationship, some famous position. None of those things are good, honorable, right, or true. <laughs> so A, I'm miserable because I don't attain them. And B, I'm miserable because even if I do get them, I mean, how many superstars have to write biographies for us to realize that it's a very hollow life? Mm-hmm. It's a very hollow life. I mean, the most powerful men of the 20th century were Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and I think it's Mao Zedong. Mm-hmm. Is, he, is he, is that... Sounds right to me. Uh, yeah. I don't know my Chinese history as well as I know my, my uh, um, European history. But when you read their memoirs, you know, Adolf Hitler talked about he doesn't have a friend. Mm. He, I, I read this somewhere. I think it was a biography years ago that he was the most real with his bird. Hmm. He's, he's paranoid. So he's, he's got power. He's super famous. Mm-hmm. Right? Women, German women adored him, but he was evil. Joseph Stalin, by all accounts, was a parano- almost a schizophrenic, paranoid person. Hmm. And so he murdered like 50 million people. The most powerful person of the 20th century. He murdered 50. That's everybody in the state of California, Oregon, and Washington. Hmm. That's an accomplishment, hmm. right? Um, think about that. Everybody on the West Coast, dead. He was miserable mm-hmm. because it wasn't good, honorable, right, and true. And the pursuit of power never is. It never is. And so, um, which, interesting, what does Jesus do? He empties himself of power. He empties himself of fame. He empties himself of everything that is pleasurable, becomes nothing. And what ultimately does he get? All power. Mm -hmm. He gets all fame, right? Everyone will bow. So it's completely the opposite. And so, um, we need to really, really work on that. So I got way off. Can you bring me back? Well, here's a good follow-up that goes with Anna Rodin says, you mentioned in your message this weekend that happiness requires work. Yes. Can you elaborate on that? All good things require work. Mm-hmm. And that's the lie we tell ourselves. That's mm-hmm. the devil that whispers in our ears. You can have this without work. Uh, you want you want to be in love? You got to work for it. You have to work for it. You have to be intentional. And we really believe that things like happiness, uh, love, um, meaning mm-hmm. that none of those things require work. Um, the church brings me great meaning. I've worked harder for this church than anything else in my life other than my marriage yeah, and maybe the raising of my children. Mm-hmm. My children bring me meaning because I have worked towards it. I have some friendships that have required a great deal of work. I've worked for those friendships mm-hmm. because they are, you know, I think this, that when we define happiness, that's what we value. And so we must work for it. So what is Paul saying? And this is why it's so important that we not get bogged down in the historical interpretation of the text and the theology of the text, but we get, we get, we get real practical. Paul is saying here, I believe Jesus is the most valuable thing on earth. Therefore, mm-hmm. it's going to make me happy. Therefore, I'm going to empty everything in my life for this. Mm-hmm. Which for example, someone in our church who's been in our church for 10 years, they come to the conclusion that they're gay. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They're going to abandon their faith, walk away from their friends. Uh, in, in some instances, they lose family members, they lose relationships, long-term friendships, all for the sake of what they believe that a same-sex union will make them happy. Mm-hmm. We do it all the time. We have to ask ourselves, what's the treasure? And how do we find it? That's what makes us happy. And uh, and a lot of people believe it's money. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be so happy. And man, that's just stress. So we, we really, really got, got to look at that. Okay, so bring me back to the question, man. I, I think I drank too much coffee today. <laughs> so happy, like elaborating more on happy, how the happiness requires work. Right. What does it mean to work for happiness? And how do we make sure that our definition and the thing that we're working toward is a good godly definition of happiness? Right. Is it honorable? I mean, go back to Philippians 4, 8. Is it honorable? Good. True. Is it something that's worthy of praise according to the Bible, not the culture? Right. 100,000 Instagram followers is worthy of praise according to American culture. Mm-hmm. It will not bring you happiness. It won't. It's going to actually make you insecure. The more famous you become, the more insecure that you are. And I see this over and over and over again. And so we have to be secure in you know, where I am. And so I, I'm a person that's a high achiever. Success is something that's very, very important to me. And so um, you know, here's the thing. If happiness in and of itself is the goal, the goalpost always moves. So no matter how much progress you're making, you're never going to be happy enough if that in the end is your pursuit. Um, I think what Paul is saying in Philippians 4.8 is if holiness is your pursuit, whatever's good, whatever's honorable, whatever's true, whatever's admirable, think upon these things. If holiness, it's something that's attainable. Okay, I, I've worked towards that. That goalpost isn't moving. It is steady because God is steady. But if it's just the feeling of happiness, man, ultimately I'm always gonna be miserable because it's fleeting and it's moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but meaning brings me joy in both the heartache and the the pleasure, right? It, it, it brings both. And so, um, you know, uh, with God, hurt always brings forth new life and beautiful things like labor, right? A, a woman has to go through difficult labor, but it produces such great joy, but it was hard and it was work, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. The child is worth it. And, uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So um, I think the key is, let's, let's say, I, I'll just tell you, I believe a good marriage will make me happy. So I'm going to work for that. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? I'm gonna listen to my wife. I'm gonna make sure that I bring her along. I, I communicate things. Um, I make sure that she feels a part of my decision. She's a part of the process. She's a valued member. Her emotions and her feelings matter. I'm going to date her. I'm going to pursue her. I'm going to listen to her. I'm gonna, and I I don't wake up every day naturally thinking, hmm, I wonder how Tammy's day is gonna be. So I have to work for it. I have to be mm-hmm. intentional. And, um, you know, just today I said something that instantaneously I could tell her her feelings. I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. That was wrong. Mm-hmm because I've worked towards a relationship, I know how something I could say to a guy wouldn't hurt his feelings, but would inspire him. And so I said that to her and I was like, I know exactly what, what she heard. And so I was like, I am so, I'm so sorry. And, um, you know, I just had to back it off. I could see her eyes. I could see it. I was like, Whoa, okay. She's going crazy. Here we go. I'm totally sorry for that. So I work for it and I'm intentional rather than just blowing it off and saying, well, that's ridiculous. Cause what I meant was well, it doesn't matter what I meant. What matters is how did she take it? Mm-hmm. So I got to work for that and, and not minimize her feelings, her emotions or whatever. Uh, I believe that kids who love Jesus will make me happy. Mm-hmm. So we work for that. My mm-hmm. kids aren't going to win any scholarships for athletics, 
but they are going to be in church. They are going to go to summer camp. They're not going to miss. When we're on vacation, we go to church. They're going to understand. We read the Bible together. We talk about it together. We pray together. Like I have, I have invested that in them. Those things matter. And it brings me great joy. Mm -hmm. My kids thus far love Jesus. Yeah. I want moral kids when they do something that's wrong or what I challenge that. So, so those things bring me meaning. Um, I don't want to be rich because I don't think being wealthy makes you happy, but I think being wise with your money does. Mm -hmm. So I want to make wise decisions with the money that I have. So if my, if I believe more money is going to make me happy, I'm never going to be happy. But if I believe wisdom with the money I have makes me happy, it's attainable. I think it's good. It's honorable. It's true. Um, like with my money, I want to be able to provide for my family. It is essential to my happiness that I give 10% of my income to the church. Absolutely. I believe in that. Yeah. I want to always be in a position to do that. So I will always say no to myself so that I can say yes to God with a minimum of 10%. My wife and I have also agreed that we want to support missionaries and we want to do other things and we want to be able to bless people in different roles. And so we want to do that. And so we've worked our finances over the years to get into the place where we, we can do those things. I also have shared with my wife that I believe that it will bring me immense happiness if the greatest checks we write in our finances are to God. Mm -hmm. So right now, the biggest bill I have every month is my house payment. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to eliminate my house payment so that the biggest check I write every month is to the church, mm -hmm. to God and to his glory, um, because I want to build his kingdom and not my own. So we could afford a bigger house. I see a lot of people upgrading a bigger house, but what that means is you can't be generous. And so to me, being generous brings me great joy. I love, um, like we, we haven't gone out to dinner in a while, but I love paying for dinner. I mm -hmm. love being able to do that. It brings me great happiness to be able to bless somebody with that. It makes me feel good. Yeah. So that I'll, means I got to get be, on your calendar yeah, after the show. Yeah. Yeah. So We're it, happy to help you feel yeah, good. It makes me want to do that. So what that means is I've got to make sure that I have margin in yeah. my life so that I can bless people with that and I can take care of it. And I, 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 I love being able to do that. So mm -hmm. So. One of the things, I, as you were talking about work, I just was thinking that at its core, work is fundamentally about ex you expending your personal energy for something that is beyond yourself or right. not just for you and how, just how Christ-like that is, you know, him taking all of who he has for the good of others. Yeah. So w whether that's working a job or working in relationships or whatever. Yeah. And our listeners, flesh that, let's flesh this out. Let's keep working this out for the next couple of weeks because I think happiness is a real problem. It's a real, real problem. Most people are not happy. So 101 is define happiness. 201 is how are you going to work towards that? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and you've got to be able to do both of those things, you know, and, 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 and one of the reasons why I believe that uh, m many Christians don't define happiness is they don't want to come to grips with what they believe will make them happy. Like, I think there's guys in our church who believe that having sex with Maxim models mm -hmm. for the rest of their life will bring them great happiness. Sure. They don't want to put that on paper and share that in small group, but that's what they believe. <laughs> and so because they believe that, they're miserable with maybe the women who are at our church. Mm -hmm. I'm not aware if we have a Maxim model at Sandals Church. Uh, and if we did, would they want to date that person? <laughs> right? So, so see what I'm saying? So a lot of us are, are, are miserable. Um, you know, for example, you know, people go and shop for houses and they look at houses they can't afford. You're never going to be with happy with a house you can. Mm -hmm. So why would you do that? Yeah, stay in the range. Why, why would you do that? It's it's one of the reasons my wife doesn't like this explanation. It's one of the reasons I don't look at porn. Why would I want to look at things that a you know if I if I did attain it, it's going to cause you know heartache and hurt and damage the love relationship I have. And b I, I, it's it's you know to to me so much of life people are miserable because they stand outside the gates of Disneyland 
and they know they can't go in. So why would you stand there? Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Right? Yes, uh, sin is appealing. It is fun, but it will make you miserable. So one of the ways we make her miserable is by staring at it. Mm-hmm. And no, we don't go in. Like I hear guys all the time. I can't, I can't purchase something else, but I can, sh- I can window shop. I'm yeah. like, window shop makes you miserable. <laughs> like, why would you do that? I'm not going to sit there and fixate on some woman that's not mine. That's mm-hmm. dumb. You know, it's going to make my wife feel terrible. It's going to make me feel terrible. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, you know, I like what I have. My wife always makes fun of me because when we go to uh, 31 Flavors, I always order the same flavor, mint chip. And I tell her, you better be grateful that I like the same thing over and over <laughs> and over again. I like mint chip. Oh, boy. Oh, I don't boy. need to taste the other flavors. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay, before we... Before you guys are both blushing. Well, no. Oh, yeah. I don't like mint chip personally. Well, that's good because mint chip is mine. Yeah, that's, that is true. <laughs> yeah. I like strawberry and Oreo. Put there you them, go. Put them, put them, that's put a little them, weird. Sorry, strawberry put and together. Oreo? But you guys... No, that's weird. Listen to sorry. me. I'm going to try it. I'm strawberry t- and Oreo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't do it if I'm at 31 Flavors because i got to stick with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, go somewhere else where you got yeah. option. Put those things together. Mm-hmm. It's good. Okay. We got speaking of speaking of just random stuff like ice cream, we got three <laughs> crazy off-topic questions before we, we bounce out of here. Question number one. This comes from Crystal. I think, yeah, she says, How can I stop being such an a-hole? Mm. I think you're dumb. Oh no. If I think she thinks I'm dumb, <laughs> no, 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 no. thank you, Crystal. If, Why don't you start with not telling me I'm dumb? I think that will yeah, make you less. Sorry, that was my Yeah, that was more of a hypothetical uh, statement. Yeah, that there. was a, a okay. Pavlov no proverbial no, Freudian, a Freudian slip. Yeah, Freudian slip for myself. Mm. Pavlovian. Yeah. If I think you're dumb and wasting my time, I don't mind letting you go and cutting you from my life. The problem with this is I don't want to cut out my family, but I get so angry and can't stand it when I feel like my freedom is being questioned. Where do I start? I'd like to just thank Crystal for sending Her in this question. Freedom yeah, is being questioned? Yeah. Well, just relationships. Yeah, just, yeah. I think okay, if she all, thinks that you're threatening All relationships freedom, affect freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They all do. And so here's one of the lies, you know, we tell ourselves, here's a false definition of happiness. I should have friendships that require no uh, restrictions. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's not a relationship. Relationships require restrictions. They do. They, they, you are saying, when you say I'm going to be intentional with these people, by definition, you are saying I'm going to not be intentional with these other people. Mm-hmm. You know, when I tell my wife, I want to marry you and be with you and only you, that means that, you know, the other 4 billion women on earth are off limits. So Sorry, ladies. relationships do bring restrictions. So that's what I would say is you have a, you have a false sense of relational happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, relationships will impede on you. And, you know, people who don't uh, want others to have say or sway in their life usually are narcissists. So I hope that she's, she's not that. But, you know, no person is perfect. Um, every friend is going to be flawed. Let me say what I've learned about friends. They're really hard to find. Mm-hmm. And when you get one, You know, I think a great husband or wife is a great thing. And I think great friends are a great thing. And so um, figure out, here's what I would say, Crystal, figure out what you can give grace to and figure out what you can't. Then you have to deal with what you can't and and you have to bring that up with them. But if your list is huge, you need to go back to the passage that says, why do you notice the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? We are always going to be more aware of the faults of others than we are of ourselves. So- you know, there's probably a, a lot of people in your life, Crystal, who um, have experienced your abrasiveness. And praise God, they still, sounds like, want to have a relationship with you. And you need to be thankful for that. And we all need to be grateful uh, for the grace that we receive. For example, if I want to be critical about my marriage, I can focus on the grace I give Tammy. 
if I want to be thankful for my marriage, I can focus on the grace she gives me because we both have to give grace to stay in a relationship. So I just would say this, friendships, I think are an essential part of happiness. Mm -hmm. Essential. We were not designed to be alone. We were not designed to be isolated. And people who are alone are miserable people. And by the way, most of us have better relationships with our television sets than we do with a person. Okay, when you're watching TV, you're not relating. Those people aren't real. That's not really happening. All the emotions you're feeling, everything that you're going through, why would you waste that on fantasy? Why wouldn't you invest that in reality and get in a small group and get in a community group and actually really care about people? And um, you know, this is why more and more people are attached to their animals because it's a one directional relationship. Mm-hmm. The dog does whatever you want, right? It's mm-hmm. it. Well, I want to be unconditionally loved. Okay, well, that's unhealthy. You need to have conditions in relationships. If you keep punching me in the face, that violates the conditions of our relationship, Yeah. right? Uh, but you can beat a dog and the dog will still love you. That doesn't mean it's healthy. Totally. I mean, that's not healthy, right? Yeah, no the way. dog is dependent upon you for yeah. life. And so a lot of people have relationships with dogs. People have relationships with their TVs and movies and all this stuff. And man, we've blurred so much the, the lines of fantasy and reality. And that's the other thing we're unhappy is because... TV, internet, movies create a false sense of relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, this person exists. No, they don't. They don't. They're fake. And you can't have a relationship with that person, but you can have a relationship with a real person in small group, a real person at church, a real person at work who are very, very flawed. Every friend will be flawed. You just have to ask yourself. And I just believed, you know, I believe that the only reason you should break up with a friend is, is if there's malice, if they're mean, you know, uh, everything else I think is is excusable and you can work through and you can give grace. But if you have a mean friend, why do you need enemies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Move on. I don't, you know, I don't need mean friends. And I've had some of those and we're not friends anymore. Right. So those are called enemies. Sure. So we love them from a distance. <laughs> Crystal, I just want to say too, Philippians 2 is one of my... <laughs> Uh, it's just a go-to passage. I get where I get where you're coming from. I mean, I feel that way about a lot of people. Philippians two three is so good. Just be humble, thinking of others is better than yourselves. A couple of weeks ago, my family got invited to a party, and when we got there, there was like a car parked, and I was like, oh no, because I knew who was someone that was there that I didn't. Was it me? No, <laughs> you were not there. I haven't seen yeah. you. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, but I literally, right when we got there, a little thing on my phone popped up and it said, pray for humility. And it was just such a perfect reminder. I paused and I prayed for humility before I went in. And then when I was there, I just intentionally pursued that other person and talked to them about stuff I knew that they cared about that I didn't care about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I let them kind of try and be at their best. And that was literally what I did while I was there. And I walked away feeling great, Mm -hmm. honestly, from that. Um, So anyways, I just would encourage you to memorize Philippians 2, 3, 4, and 5. Really Mm -hmm. challenging verses for Mm -hmm. people like you and me, Crystal. Yeah. All right. This next question comes in from Annie Mons. I think people are starting to get creative with how they say Mm -hmm. anonymous. Um, Just a very straightforward question. Our Seventh-day Adventist Christian, I was going to a counselor that I was told is a Christian, but found out he's part of the SDA church. He said he's a Christian and that SDA is part of the mainstream Christian community, but I never thought it was. Can you please explain? Yeah. So, okay. Great question. So, you know, is a Seventh-day Adventist person a Christian? Some, yes. Mm-hmm. Just like some people at Sandals are Christian, and a lot aren't. So, uh, historically, Seventh-day Adventists have not been embraced as a part of mainstream Christianity. So, if you're a Seventh-day Adventist person and you come to Sandals Church, I'm not trying to um, 
challenge you. I'm just telling you that's the reality. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that is because of Seventh Day Adventists. I mean, they have their own prophet, they have their own sayings, their own teachings, and they excluded themselves from mainstream Christianity. Now what's happening is they're kind of moving back very, very slowly. Uh, so I think they're realizing some of the nuances. Um, I have a Seventh Day Adventist pastor friend who wouldn't say they're a cult, but he definitely would say they're cliquish, and they are. Mm-hmm. They're very, very cliquish. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that uh, you know, mainstream um, doctrine is very, very different from some of the mainstream doctrines of. Uh, Seventh-day Adventists about Jesus Christ. Um, so, and uh, most Seventh-day Adventists don't know that, but most Christians don't know what we believe. Right. So, uh, you know, most people pick a church of, do I like the pastor? Do I like the kids program? Do I like those things? Um, you know, historically, you know, Seventh-day Adventists worship on Saturdays, but I don't have a problem with that. That doesn't bother me at all. I go to church on Saturdays now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's, that's great. I think where they get a little weird is when they say you have to. Yeah. I think that there's definitely a shift in Christianity and there's a historical shift where the church begins to meet on Sundays. That's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, we cel- we celebrate not the day God rested. We celebrate as Christians the day God rose. Mm-hmm. So I I, I I would just, you know, any of you who are Seventh-day Adventists who come to Sandals, you know, don't freak out. Um, but that's the reality. We, we gather because he rose, not because God rested. That's we, 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 that's not why we celebrate. That's not why we gather. That's not why we're a new creation. That's not why any of those things are true. Uh, having said that, I think eventually Sandals will probably have worship on every day of the week because we live in a post-Christian culture. Totally. You know, we're not in Israel. We're in Babylon. America is Babylon and we are living in, in you know, I believe in the end times and we're going to have to worship when we can and where we can. And so right now we have church on Saturdays. We have church on Sundays. Uh, we have church on Wednesdays at the Woodcrest campus. Eventually we're going to go back to church on Sunday nights uh, as we look at opening some other venues and some other campuses. And I think that's essential. We want to give people an opportunity to worship together uh, when they can. And, and, and their careers just don't. I mean, we have police officers and firemen mm-hmm. and Sundays is not an option or Saturdays is not an option. Yeah, yeah. And they need to be able to worship with their families in a place. Uh, and I, I think I want to do that. And and again, Jesus says the Sabbath was not, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. So man, so the purpose of worship is for us to connect with God. It's not about the day. It's about the connection. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do. So, um, Seven Day Adventists, you know, there's some really, really quirk, quirky, weird. Uh, some of it's heretical, um, but man, I, I'm a Baptist, and some of the things Baptists have said in the past, I'm just like, man. I, I mean, Baptists believe Jesus didn't create real wine. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. And Baptists are as mainline as as you can get. Yeah. Um, you know, we so all all of our denominations have a little weird things. Historically, Seven Day Adventists have been viewed as outside of the mainstream. Again. As a denomination, they are moving more closely to mainstream. So they show up at conferences and church growth. And I even met somebody, uh, a Seventh-day pastor here in in um, our community who was sending uh, their women to our cultivate. So I thought, wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that's a great question. There are some there are some real theological challenges with what they believe. If you start talking about you know theological stuff. Uh, practically, I believe that there are Seventh-day Adventists who are born-again Christians, and they've just been raised in that tradition. Yeah. Just like at Sandals, not everybody that goes to Sandals is a born-again Christian. And that's sad, and it's tragic, but it's the truth, mm-hmm. okay? You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's about relationship. It's not about your religion. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, uh, Seventh-day Adventists tend to be very inward focused, which is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the marks of cultish behavior, whereas I think as it, as a, the true church must always be outward focused. How, how are we reaching those on the outside? How are we ministering to them and bringing them in? And so this week we talked about circumcision, um, you know, and, you know, Paul says those dogs who want to mutilate you, here's what he's offended at. What he's offended is that you need to do anything other than putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And Seventh-day Adventists have historically put a lot of other things on people. Mm -hmm. You have to worship on Saturdays. You have to not eat meat. You know, you have to do no this caffeine. or do that. Yeah, no caffeine. They, they, right. They've created, I think, okay. a very, very unhealthy list that really minimizes the grace that we receive through faith in Christ. And I think that's very very dangerous. Now, having said that, I think morality matters. I think it's, I think it's a real important issue. So um, a lot of people who run around just saying, well, I'm saved and I can do whatever I want. You don't know Jesus. So. Awesome. Okay. Very last question from Leticia. She says, is growing marijuana an accessible, acceptable source of income? Yeah. So Leticia, man, this is going to be one of the great divides uh, in Christianity. And I would say no. Absolutely not. Um, certainly, I think that there's a place for growing uh, marijuana for people with real diseases, real issues. For example, my uncle passed away. He lived with me for a little bit um, from cancer. And so um, marijuana helped his pain and also helped him have a desire to eat. So uh, the chemotherapy they was taking took away his desire to eat. Mm -hmm. And anybody who smoked weed knows you get the munchies when <laughs> you eat, you know, when you smoke that. So here's the problem is, Marijuana is a psychotropic drug that affects the brain. And oftentimes it uh, causes paranoia. It causes memory loss. And those are two real negative things. So what that means is you can go smoke marijuana and not realize who you are or what you do. And so is it, should it be classified as it currently is under the same title, according to law, as heroin and cocaine? No, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's good. Mm -hmm. I mean- I mean, that's, that's that's like saying, well, he didn't kill her, but he just raped her. So it's not as bad. It's yeah. still really bad. Yeah. And I'm certainly not equating marijuana to rape. I'm just saying it affects your brain. Mm -hmm. It affects your thinking. And listen to me, all of our pot smokers, it is a gateway drug. Some people never go further. Many people do. Because when you're stoned, your ability to make decisions is restricted. Mm -hmm. You you are affected and you will do things that you wouldn't normally do. It's one of the reasons why people like it because it helps them relax. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you go figure out how to relax? Why wouldn't you deal with the issue? Deal with the heart issue. I don't know how to relax. Therefore, I'm going to get hammered every day. No, I'm going to go to God in prayer and say, God, I need to relax. And again, if you believe relaxing will make you happy, it's worth the work. Mm -hmm. And what marijuana does is it subverts the work and it creates a chemical dependency upon happiness or a sense of peace. Mm -hmm. And that's sad. And I have friends, man, listen to me, a lot of you young people, they've lost decades of their life to pot, decades. I got friends that don't even know Bill Clinton was president, man. <laughs> like they were in a, just in a haze, in a cloud of smoke. And um, when you smoke pot, a lot of people don't wanna work, they're not productive. And guess what that means? It means I have to go to work to support you, which I think is wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's right that I should have to support you. So, um, now, having said that, there are some instances, you know, uh, brain cancers, issues. Man, if, if, there is, if there is real medical evidence, not your cousin Vinny on the corner, real medical evidence that suggests that marijuana helps you, I'm all for it. You know, uh, if you have rheumatoid arthritis and you can't sleep at night and, and, and marijuana is way less destructive to your body mm -hmm. than the prescription pills that they're going to give you to allow you to sleep, then I would, I would approve that. 
but come to the church. Let's walk through this. Let's present the evidence because what you give your mind to is a moral issue. Mm -hmm. Meaning is always moral. So, uh, and there's a difference. I can drink a glass of wine and not be uh, inebriated. I'm not aware of being able to smoke pot and not have it. Now I've heard that there's an ability to pull out some of the chemicals that gives you the benefits. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. real or not. I, I'm not I'm not a medical doctor or a pharmacist. That's or what a I've been current told. pox smoker. Yeah. So I've been told that there's a way to get the benefits of marijuana without getting yeah, uh, I've heard that too. the mm-hmm. the stoned portion. So I, I don't know if that's true. Um you know I, I just I've seen I have seen it ruin so mm-hmm. many people's lives and especially oh, yeah. young people. Yeah. You're already not motivated. Why would you <laughs> want to increase that? Um so, so we need to be careful. We, we need to, the apostle Paul says, I do not want to be a slave to anything. Yeah. And if you find yourself being a slave to coffee, stop. If you find yourself being a slave to wine, stop. If you're a slave to marijuana, stop. You got to stop those things. And again, some of us are going through extraordinary suffering. You should not decide this on your own. Listen to me, everybody. Christianity is not all about you. It's about Jesus and his family, the church. So the way we decide things is through Jesus and the church. And we must decide this together. And some of you go through some small groups where you maybe you got idiots running. Don't trust them. Come to the church. Let's talk about it. Let's get some wisdom in that. Because, you know, a lot of times people give advice based upon what they want to do or what they think, and it's not about scripture or wisdom. So make sure that you involve wise Christian spiritual counsel. And certainly there are some instances where I, I definitely think that marijuana is a good thing just as heroin is a good thing. I don't know if you guys realize this, but heroin was a wonderful thing for soldiers during the Civil War who mm. got their leg blown off. Mm. It's a good thing. <laughs> right. Right? It's a good thing. Morphine is a gift from God in extraordinary cases of pain and suffering. Mm. But if you're stressed at work, it's addictive, <laughs> it's debilitating, and ultimately it'll kill you. Mm. So so be very, very careful. Um you know, uh, heroin is the ultimate feel-good drug because it takes away the brain's ability to feel pain and gives a euphoric sensation. That's dangerous. So a lot of people, right, define happiness as the feeling of no pain. Well, you, you know, that's it's going to enslave you. And, man, we've lost a lot of people in our church to heroin. It's really, really sad. Mm-hmm. And most of them did not start with heroin. Mm-hmm. They started with pot. And that's the reality. And uh, it's tragic and it's sad. And if you have an addictive personality, you need to deal with that. Uh, I just talked to a guy this week. He had seven years sobriety and he uh, blew his knee out playing softball and the doctors gave him pain medication. And man, he's hooked on it again, lost his job, lost his mind. You know, um, you can drink wine, Sandals Church, unless you can't. And you need to be real with yourself. You know, my mom, I love her. She's She's freaked out that everybody who drinks is going to be an alcoholic. I'm I'm not going to be an alcoholic. I hate being out of control. I hate the sensation of not being able to think or function. It doesn't excite me whatsoever. However, a glass of wine does calm me. So I I just don't want to ever be inebriated and be stupid, man. And uh, that's, it's just, it's just not an issue for me. I just don't have an addictive personality. Some of us do. And so what we need to do is we need to run from addictive Things and uh, run to strawberry Oreo shakes, my ultimate feel good drug. Mm. Mm. I thought well, you were working on that though. You're trying to lose weight. Well, yes, I was. You have too, right? Did you or I, did you go backwards? I'm bouncing back a little bit. It's a sabbatical, that's a positive dude. way to say that. Bouncing back. Yeah, I was probably you were doing really good. I, I, I was. I still 
am doing really good in my heart. Mm. Well, that's what I would say. Even food for a lot of people has yeah, way too much meaning mm-hmm. for people in their lives. It doesn't for me. You know, um, I think let's just close the show. Let's just close oh, the show. We don't, need, we don't need to keep going. We're getting yeah. a little too close to <laughs> close to home there, Justin. Yeah. Welcome back, bud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, hey, listen. So here, here, here's the thing. Uh, I know that we have people that grow pot in our church. Um, you know, uh, man, I would really, really challenge you to work through that. Um, you know, um, that's, that's just a real, real difficult issue for me at this time. Um, I think it's dangerous. Um, I think the state of California needs to figure out what it is or what it isn't. Um, and, and you just need to understand all of us need to not only be held accountable for what we do, but what does what I do do to people? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, I, I don't think that women at our church should work at a, at a, at a bar or a club where their sexiness is a part of the job. You know, I, I would struggle with a gal working at Hooters at mm-hmm. our church because the whole point is not the wings. It's not the wings. It's the legs. It's the outfit. It's the whatever. And you are being objectified as a sexual object and you're a Christian. You're a daughter of the king. Mm-hmm. That's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so some of you probably right now just crashed your car because you're like, oh my gosh, I work at Hooters. Get another job. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere else. I just don't think that's acceptable for us as Christians. And so um, again, ladies, sorry, but you know, you, you've, you are a daughter of the king. You represent Jesus. You are his daughter and he doesn't want the world to see your body. So mm-hmm. that's important. All right. Well, that was a great episode. We're going to wrap this one up with some words of affirmation that we've gotten in from a friend Ooh, of ours. words of affirmation. I love that. I know. So Leah wrote in and said, no question, just story time. Ooh. I started tithing again this month. And then in parentheses, I know, right? I should have never stopped, but sinner. Anyway, I was a little apprehensive about it because who likes having less money? However, I knew it was something I should be doing. And I love being part of the Sandals family by serving. And I remembered how good God has been to me these last few years. So I wanted to give back. And boy, was I blessed. The, t- the same day I said, the same day that I tied that I sent my car payment. Ouch. I got an email from my CEO and manager informing me of a bonus that I'd be getting this month at work. Thank you, Pastor Matt and the debrief team for helping remind me every week of God's presence in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. But let me say this. Even if you don't get a bonus, you're still blessed. Mm-hmm. You're still blessed. So listen to all of our tithers. When you when you walk into Sandals Church, if you're giving, yep. you did this. Mm-hmm. You did this. Everything we do is done by you, the mm-hmm. debrief, the church facilities, all of that stuff. And think about, you know, we spend money and our money goes to bad places all the time, even if we don't want it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it funds things that are contrary to the kingdom of God. When I tithe, man, it's all going towards God and it's doing great mm-hmm. things. And uh, the more people give, the more we can do. Yeah. The less people give, the less we can do. So thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I get to host ter- services here sometimes at Hunter Park. My favorite part of hosting is always when we have our time of giving at the end of service because I get to look out and look at people who I know are giving to make what we're doing in that moment possible. It's just yeah, is the coolest amazing. moment. So. Thank you all. I love you. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get notes for this show, we'll include those books that Pastor Matt mentioned about parenting. Uh, we'll also include the full version of the serenity prayer that you've been talking about a lot. So you guys can check that out there. Just go to debrief.show slash 69. We'll have all of those notes there. And then if you want to follow us on social media at Debrief Show, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on Twitter. It's a great way to get links to the show, quotes from some of our episodes, and a great way to share it with your friends. So make sure to do that. And if you get want after to, us. Yeah, we'd love to see you. And we're also on YouTube. So if you'd like to ever watch the episodes live, Pastor Matt's waving to you right now. 
You, you can could see, even see the hair thing that happened. Yeah, you can before. see the hair thing that happened. It's real, folks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you can always find us on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash the debrief show, and we're right on there with every single episode. If you guys want to support the show, like we just talked about, support Sandals Church, help us do things like the debrief, all kinds of new locations, all of that kind of stuff. Listen, we are so grateful and appreciative of your support, especially those of you guys who are listening mm-hmm. and do not uh, attend Sandals Church. Man, we really appreciate all of that love. The easiest way to do that is just by sending a text message. Text the keywords give debrief. That's two separate words give mm-hmm. debrief to 951 900 4120. That's 951 900 4120. So that's awesome. And if you guys are local, we'd love to see you this weekend. Come hang out yeah. with us, say hi to us. It'd be awesome. Yeah. We love you guys. 